And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. Um, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Electrify America, the largest public fast charging network in the U.S. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show, but thanks, EA, for sponsoring the podcast. Also, if you do like the podcast, please make sure to give us a thumbs up or uh, a comment in the comment section below. You can also subscribe to know whenever we're going live, which is normally on a pretty regular schedule on Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, but you never know. Uh, you can also get to see our new videos whenever they come out. So uh, let us know that we appreciate it. Um, also, if you have a question at the end of the show, we are going to comment on, uh, we're going to answer your question. And if you have a specific subject that we didn't discuss during the podcast that you want us to discuss, you can put them in the comment section. Uh, just put them in all cap so that uh, we know this is something that's addressed to us. That it's not you guys discussing in the comments, which you're also welcome to do anytime. Uh, all right, let's jump into the big story this week. Started last weekend uh, when Elon announced on Twitter that he was uh, considering selling 10% of his stake in Tesla, which at the time at the time was worth about 24 billion. That that's 10% of his stake, not his whole stake. <laughs> his whole stake is actually worth was at the time worth closer to 240 billion dollars. So 10% of it is 24 billion, or um. Roughly 17 million shares, if you want to go by shares, which is easier to do since the price is fluctuating all the time. And uh, yeah, the way he presented it was uh, was kind of surprising to some, strange to other, uh, kind of uh, raised some highbrows, for me at least. <laughs> uh, yep. he, he, the, way, the way he tweeted it is he said he framed it as in that there's a lot of concerns right now. Uh, well, let's let's look at the actual tweet. So I'm not paraphrasing, and then and then we can read between the lines as we often do. Um, the tweet itself was much is made lately on of unrealized gains being being a means of tax avoidance. So a proposed selling 10% of my Tesla stock. Do you support this? And then and then he presented it as a as a yes or no poll on Twitter and. Uh, over well, not overwhelmingly, but a decent majority with fifty-seven point nine percent over three point five million votes said yes uh, to sell the stake. Okay, so let, let's um, compartmentalize this a little bit and like address this ball issue because this is significant. This is the richest man on the planet selling a huge chunk of stock worth an insane amount of money, uh, and in the biggest electric automakers out there. So what he says about much is being made lately of unrealized gains being a means of tax avoidance. So so this is this started with the Democrats floating this idea that uh, maybe we should tax we should tax unrealized gains, which a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. Um it, it comes from this this uh, this trend now that's been going on for a while, where the super rich will um, not pay taxes because they will live off uh, because most of their wealth is attached to stocks, and you don't have to pay taxes on those stocks unless you sell them or unless you gain stock options, uh, which is which is considered revenue. Um, so, if you just you know increase your wealth by investing into your company and and the stock keeps going up uh, you you gain a lot of of wealth technically on paper 
and a good way to live with that well without having to sell any stocks and pay taxes on them is to borrow against those stock and then this is a loan that you're getting you lift off that loan and as long as you maintain a high price you can get very good loans on it and and live well off of that so <laughs> there's been a bunch of different discussions around it that's in my opinion has been very misrepresented for for the financially non uh, the people that are not very well versed in, in finance like this is this is super hard to understand uh cuz you you get you know set you get those headlines like Elon Musk made 50 billion dollar this month uh when in fact the is stake in Tesla increased in value in 50 billion dollars it's not 50 billion dollars in revenue so like you can literally make a headline if you want to be clickbaity if you want to be uh um uh, really misleading really you can say that Elon made 50 billion dollars in 2020 he didn't pay a cent in tax, which could be, I don't know, he might have paid some, he probably got some revenue on other revenue stream and did pay taxes. But on his stake on Tesla, he increased by $50 billion in revenue, but he didn't pay any taxes on that, which is which is fair. Um, so now, and, and of course, Elon being the richest man in the world right now, he's, he's kind of at the center of that discussion a lot lately. And with his stake in Tesla increasing in value so much over the last year due to the price increase that that makes him a target for that and in this tweet it makes it it makes it sound like this is getting to him or something like he's like all right like he grew a conscience oh i'm not paying any taxes on that it's not it's bad uh let's see if you guys agree to it i'll just i'll just sell 10 percent, 24 billion dollars and pay the insane tax bill that's gonna come with that but I think that the, the the story that's not being told correctly, I mean, it's starting to in the media. I saw some media starting to pick up on that, but we said it in our first post there because it was kind of obvious. And I, I've been saying it for a year. You remember, Seth, when this whole third row podcast thing went down last year? And it, it's all started when I exposed that they were like pushing misinformation to Elon, that uh, I, it started from me saying that Elon's going to have to sell some stock to pay some pay taxes at one point. On his stock right. option, that he's going to exercise, and they called me like an idiot for even even saying that. Uh, I think this is what is happening right now. Right, like, this quarter, Elon had to exercise two point three billion dollars worth of stock option. So now, stock option are different from just uh, an increase in value on, or unrealized gains. This is new stock that's been awarded to you. Uh, through uh, a compensation plan, which in this case was Elon's old CEO compensation plan from 2012 that has expired by now, but he, he achieved a bunch of trenches of that of, of that uh, plan, which awarded him a ton of option. And if you remember, there was an other CEO compensation plan that I think it was a 2016 one that it was updated, and which is even wilder, like insane amount of. Uh, uh, of uh, stock option grants that come with an insane increase in Tesla's value, which has happened. So right. he's, he's already achieved a lot of the, he's been awarded a lot of those stock options. Now you don't have to exercise them right away, but there's an expiration date and the one from the 2012 plan started to expire. And uh, he has a bunch of others that are going to expire within the next year. So within the next year, he's going to be awarded tens, well, again, depending on how Tesla's stock value is doing, tens of billions of dollars worth of Tesla stocks. And this is new revenue. This is new wealth coming to him. That's not um, real. It's not from an accrued stock price value. He's going to have to pay taxes on that. Some tax expert put his uh, tax burden based on 
those new stock options between 10 and 15 billion dollars over the next year. So technically, it could try to borrow more money in order to pay this tax burden without having to sell any Tesla stocks. But I think, as far as I know, this would be completely unprecedented in terms of value here, like in the tens of billions of dollars. So the more traditional thing to do is when you get awarded some of those stocks, or even before that, or or, or some of your other existing stock and your stake in the company, you sell those in order to pay your tax burden. And also you have to pay those stock option normally comes at the, at the price that whenever a discount over whenever they were awarded in the first place. Like, I, like for example, the one that were exercised this week by Musk was $6 a share or something like that. Uh, against, against at, at the time they were like $1,200 a share. So you have to pay those, but I mean, it's peanuts compared to uh, the value today. So you sh- you sell some of those shares in order to pay for that and to pay for your tax burden that's going to come at the end of the year. You want to be ready for that because that's a lot of money. Um, so it is strange to say the very least that he would come up with this idea here right when Tesla hits a new all-time high that a lot of people are seeing is is a little bit premature too in, in, in terms of value. And a lot of people, including like, it was a year ago that Elon said that Tesla was overvalued at uh, at the equivalent of pre-stock split of like $480 a share. So it's, well, now post-stock split, I should say. So $480 a share, it's now worth almost three times that. Um, so did Tesla, did something change for him in the last year that three times that makes sense now? Uh, we know that he's bullish long-term on Tesla. That's There's no doubt about that. And I am too, but in terms of the value increasing so much now, and especially him, you know what he's been saying, said we've been discussing. A lot of the increase came after the Hertz deal and, and, and everything uh, that came with it. And Elon was questioning that. It's like if all that value, that $300 billion in value that was added since the Hertz deal, like he didn't, he didn't get that at all. So it is weird for him to like find this, let for lack of a better word, reason or excuse to sell stock at this timing at the highest price right when he knows that he has a giant tax bill coming in no matter what. Um, so in my opinion, he found a way to justify selling Tesla stock at a very high price exactly while making it sound like he's willingly himself creating a big tax bill for him to pay a ton of taxes while in fact that tax bill was coming anyway. That's how yeah, I see it. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think he was always planning to to sell to to pay the taxes on the stuff. I mean, you're you're right. The like to borrow enough money to pay those taxes would require like multiple like huge banks, mm-hmm. you know, billions of dollars in loan, like you know, state level uh, borrowing, uh, like. Emerging countries deals right. like like yeah, that like kind of the, money. The monetary world monetary fund. Anyway, um, you know, clearly, like this was always on the table. This is always like probably the you know the easiest and the best option for him. So he knows this is coming. Um, the Hertz deal. I don't know why seemed to set the the you know the price way up. So it was kind of like a perfect storm for him. And, you know, his brother just made like a ton of money. 
So he's like, what, what Kimball made hundred million selling, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that not a naysayer is what they're saying is like, it's strange that Kimball got out, got himself 15% of his stake in Tesla, even more than Elon is talking about selling just days before Elon made this announcement that obviously crashed the stock to stock is now down. Like I think 16% since the, since, since yeah, but I mean, it's, it's still wildly up. Yeah, I don't know. Well, why, it's not that much up since the or before the Hertz deal. Like it's, uh, uh, like they wiped out a lot of the value since the Hertz deal. Basically, I think. Yeah. So anyway, um, Elon makes it seem like he was being altruistic and like, okay, I'm going to pay some taxes because much is being made lately of unrealized gains. But really, he's paying taxes because it's the smartest thing to do. I'm sure his financial advisors, you know, his uh, trust are like, look, you just got to, the only thing to do here, you're getting all this stock, you got to sell some. Um, so, you know, he's going he's gonna to sell a ton of, you know, not a ton, 10%, but he's going to sell a huge monetary amount of Tesla shares into the market, and he's already begun doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of, he started on Monday, and as of now, he's at $5.7 so... Right, so he's going to have enough money to pay all the taxes. Theoretically, he'll have enough money to pay a lot of his loans or most of his loans off. And then, you know, then he's got some cash to spend, I guess. Yeah, the last reporting date, uh, they, uh, he still had hundreds of millions of dollars worth of loans. That and he's got all these tranches of stock coming his way. He'll probably make that 10% back, you know, like on, mm. on all these uh, stock options he's got. Yeah, I mean, technically, if that's if he's he's like like the way I'm seeing it, like Elon is exiting now because the price is super high, and if all goes well for him, really, Tesla stock will probably trade mostly sideways. That's what that's been happening with Tesla. Like they go up and go down, trade sideways and everything. It might go down or it might trade sideways from here, and by the time. He gets all his stock options that are due to be exercised by the end of next year or even like the summer of next year. He's going to have even more shares in Tesla than he did before this whole thing. And he's going to have all the money to pay his, his 2022 tax bill from it because, or his 2021 tax bill, I should say, uh, because of um, and, and then some for the 2022, because if he gets stock option in 2022, too, that's when he's going to have to pay the taxes. He's going to be able to pay all that with stocks that were sold at the highest price Tesla's ever been. So, I mean, the guy, the guy is, uh, he's not bad financially. Let's just, let's just say that. The only thing is that he's not representing the situation fairly, I think. Uh, yeah. Which normally I'm, I'm, I'm the, you know, you know me, I, I have my disagreement with Musk, but I'm the first one to defend him whenever calls, some people calls like some, uh, shenanigans in the background that he's not really he doesn't mean what he says and everything like that i think for the most part elon has always been quite honest and everything on this one is like eh, there's a little bit of dishonesty going on i think uh to be fair at the end of the day though i think in 2021 and in 2022 elon's gonna have the biggest tax bills in the u.s like he's gonna be the biggest taxpayer in the u.s by far <laughs> oh certainly individual oh, I, oh yeah, yeah yeah that's what i mean yeah I mean, theoretically, like Apple might have to pay more, but even then, sometimes they get away. <laughs> yeah, Apple probably. Got, yeah, even those corporations, they're, they're good too at avoiding taxes. It's not just the super rich 
uh, they, they they find a way. Yeah. But yeah, that was the big story this week. Uh, Elon starting the vest, and and look, it's going to be a story for the next few weeks, I think, because at the at the pace he's selling right now. Sorry, we saw just uh, just the release this morning, the filings for the sales yesterday. So there's always a delay in reporting the insider trading, and um, the he, he sold uh, he, he reduced the. Uh, how big the batches of Sherry was selling. So he's, he's selling by in, in batches because, of course, you cannot sell like billions of dollars worth at a time. It's uh, it, it's difficult to find buyers for those. But um, it's, pro- it's probably going to affect Tesla stock for a while. It's going to put some selling pressure on it. Even though technically like an average v- v- trading volume at Tesla is basically the equivalent of the entire stake that Elon wants to, to, uh, to sell. But yeah, every day. But I mean, every that, day. That's not the same of like having to unload that. On top of it, just the signal itself that oh, the CEO is selling. Even if he found himself a nice little reason to do it, that should that sounds like it's not because I think the stock is primed to be sold right now, which is actually what he might really be thinking. Um, yeah, shares to be, full disclosure. Um, was it early last week? Well, at the highest, uh, at the peak when when it was hitting twelve hundred, I'm like, all right, I think I will take some profit here, <laughs> but um, I'm still a shareholder. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one. Um, I I, I still have most. I didn't sell most of my share though. I'm long term on that front. Fred, your tax but, bill um, is gonna be uh, pretty big. Yeah, too, it's then. seeing both sides how they see it, how they want to see it. It's uh, it's interesting. You see that people are not being objective a lot of the time. All right, let's move on to uh, other Tesla news this week. Another week, another price increase, but this time only for the Model Y. That was interesting. Like uh, so that happened la- overnight last night with the online configurator update. Uh, the Model Y got a thousand dollar price increase on both trims. Uh, that's the second one this month alone. There were two other significant price increase, both on Model 3 Model Y last month too. So last two months, it hasn't been good for uh, new buyers here for, for Tesla. Uh, it's a lot more expensive. But uh, yeah, normally it's both Model 3 Model Y at the same time. We know that those two models shares a lot of parts and Tesla has been blaming the price increases on uh, supply chain cost increases. So this is it's weird that this time is just affecting the Model Y. But uh, yeah, the uh, long-range dual motor went from fifty-eight thousand to fifty-nine thousand. The Model Y performance from sixty-three to sixty-four thousand. So the Model Y long-range here, which is most likely the most popular one, uh, at fifty-nine thousand dollars, that that's up nine thousand dollars this year alone. So it's a yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a lot more expensive. And of course, this this price increase here comes uh, as the it's in the U.S. It's U.S. pricing, and it comes as the Crazy. new incentives should be locked in quite soon in the U.S. We should get all the details soon, but the details are going to be important because it, right now it looks like the amount is set. It's going to be seventy five hundred dollars, just like it was before uh, Tesla ran out of the of the credit, but. Um, the uh, so the bill I think is the, Biden is aiming to sign it on on Monday I think right uh, that's what they're talking about 
So if it, once it's signed on Monday, we're going to get all the details of the last version of it too. And the big question for people right now for, for short-term sales of electric vehicles and Tesla vehicle in particular, since, I mean, for it, it's a plus for everyone. Like everyone is getting more money, but uh, for Tesla and, and GM, it's the, the biggest one. Though GM, their current sales of EVs are kind of on, in jeopardy anyway with the production problem with the Bolt EV. Um, so Tesla is really the focus right now. Because they they already don't have any demand problem, but now it's when is it going to be active? This new if it actually the language that I saw in the bill was it's going to be effective from December thirty first, well after December thirty first, twenty twenty one. So that means every car delivered in twenty twenty two would uh, get access to it. So while there's other talks, I talk about it technically meaning that there's it could be retroactive up to May twenty twenty one. Uh, so there's there's two uh, ways of thinking here. So if it's retroactive, then it doesn't matter anything. But if it's not, then you have a decision to make. Do you, for people that are set deliveries by the end of the year, do you take delivery? And uh, not really. It's a lot of money, $7,500. 7500 bucks is 7500 bucks. Like, uh, that's enough to... to- yeah, you could just delay delivery. I mean, that's that's where things get get tricky here, Seth. Because if you del- Tesla doesn't necessarily let you delay delivery, uh, you, you, there, well, there's ways to do it, sure. But uh, sometimes they're like, we we're gonna deliver the car well, no no matter what. So if people want to take delivery of the car, they, they 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 take it and you lose it, and like it's it's a new production. So you might have like to go back in line. Uh, which would, in this case, for a long-range right. Model Y, would give you June 2022. So that's quite the long line. But at the same time, uh, they, they tell you, okay, but you locked in an order however months ago when the price of the car might have been three, four, even $5,000 cheaper than it is now. And... Um, Right. So that's seventy five hundred dollars. If you change it to a new order and they make you pay the new price, you may not want to do that. So this is that's interesting. I hadn't thought yeah. about it that way. I mean, they're going to make you reorder the the vehicle if you don't take delivery. Well, I don't. I like, don't know if they can really do that. But I think what they what they're doing what they can do is like just if you don't want to take delivery, we we're gonna deliver the the car anyway to someone else and. Then you go back in line, like we're going to reproduce the car. And then they tell you, I don't know if like, it might be just a sell tactic too, but they tell you like right now, the new deliveries are for June, 2022. So like, Hey, I'm not going to wait a year to get my car. So, so it's not necessarily, it's, it's pressure on both ways. It's pressure on the timeline and it's pressure on the, on the price with the new pricing. So it's, it's a strange situation for sure. Well, it'll be over in a month and a half. Yeah, so. yeah, we're gonna have a lot more clarity, but maybe even before that, if we can have some more clarity on the bill, too, that that would make a big difference. But uh, yeah, I mean, some people right now are considering like, oh, let me just cancel my order and take take delivery next year. But when you do that, keep in mind, price might have changed since you placed the order. It changed a lot. There was a new software update uh, this week. Uh, that brought a feature real quick to go back yeah yeah go ahead to go back to the previous thing we got an email from a guy who said he had originally uh wanted to buy a like model three and it was supposed to be delivered like in may and he was like so many people are are holding off on their orders that he was getting his like in december but you know he he knew the deal he knows the drill he's like oh i don't want it in december i want it 
in January. So I wonder if Tesla is just like cycling through a lot of these reservations to, because nobody wants to pick up their order over the next few months. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that there's like, honestly, I think Tesla might have enough people that care more about getting the car sooner than, than the 7,500, which sounds crazy to some, but uh, you'd be surprised how many, uh, how many people just, especially if they've been waiting for months and months and months, uh, they're like, yeah, all right, let's do it or whatever. So, um, and then even if if they don't even if they don't think at the option of just like trying to delay the order and keep but keeping the existing one keeping the pricing even if Tesla just mentioned you're like oh yeah but you know we increased the price and everything now you're getting the car sooner you're not having to pay that price so that can be just enough ah I'll take delivery I'll take delivery uh, and things like that so something to keep in mind yeah so Tesla started pushing 2021.40.5. And uh, for for there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of this update. This includes like new cars that, and that didn't get the previous update that we talked about, with like the cold weather improvement, tidal uh, music app, and all and all that stuff that we talked about last week. Uh, so it's like a second wave on that. But on top of it, they added a new feature, which is a waypoint for the navigation system. So it's something that uh, a lot of owners have been requesting forever, uh, because Tesla doesn't allow you to use uh, Apple. Uh, Maps or Google Maps, it used their native uh, in-house design navigation system that but that used Google Maps and other other map system, but uh, the navigation of on it is, is Tesla's, and um, the waypoints haven't haven't been an option. It's you enter a navigation a destination, and that's the destination, and that's it. But now you can have uh, you can click the plus button icon uh, next to the navigation search. And once you have a, a destination pin, and then with that you can add um, other points towards your destination. So I don't know how often people would use that, but uh, I mean the Tesla already does it automatically with supercharger stops. Like if you enter a, a destination that's too far for your charge, uh, your current state of charge, they will add supercharger waypoints, if you will. But right. uh, now you can do some that are not or are not supercharger related, or doesn't require you to get another charge. I don't know how often I would use that, but I know it was a highly, highly requested feature. So I'm sure some people will find some use to it. All right, this was an interesting one here. The um, the Minister of uh, Economy and uh, Innovation here in Quebec uh, disclosed this week. Uh, through um, through his uh, PR manager that uh, he met with Tesla last month uh, in Palo Alto. Uh, he met with some Tesla executive to discuss the potential of Tesla investing in uh, the battery uh, battery supply chain in Quebec. So for those unaware, in, in Quebec, there's currently, uh, well, Quebec is a mineral rich, metal rich. There's a lot of uh, mine here. The, the mining industry is big. It's a huge province and a lot of uh, resources, especially up north. And a lot of uh, battery metal related so, uh, resources, lithium, nickel, uh, some copper too. Uh, there's graphite, a lot of graphite, which is uh, useful in, in lithium. Uh, some cobalt, though I don't think there's any in exploitation right now, or there used to be some, but I don't, I don't think right now there's any. Uh, but there's a, there's a ton of it. And um, the, the government is tapping into the demand for it. 
to create new jobs and to create to, to bolster the uh, the industry. And they're investing between two and three billion Canadian dollars, which is one point six to two point four U.S. Do- uh, billion, and um, to uh, to support a creation of more of a full cycle of the industry because. As you know, it's not just about mining the actual metals. The metals need to be refined you know, from like lithium to lithium hydroxide to be used in batteries, um, the, the, the nickel and the manganese and um, the cobalt. They, they need to be made into a cathode material. So like, there's a lot of things you can do even before you even have a battery cell. But uh, of course, Quebec wants to have the whole thing, wants to have everything down to the battery cell and even the the cars or the any type of vehicles if they can. So they're investing two to three billion dollars in order to make that happen. And they have have some success to a degree. Uh with, with there's uh Leon Electric that uh is is gonna make their own batteries here. Uh there's there's Tag Taiga, I think I've only talked about battery pack assembly. I don't think they talk about the cells themselves. Um and you you have at the mining and refining level you have Nouveau Monde gra- uh, graphite uh, you you have uh, Namaska Lithium. The, those are, are ad, very advanced projects right now that are, are, are going to supply material for battery cells. But what you really need when you're trying to create an industry like that, you need kind of an anchor project that that produces the whole thing, that produces the whole the whole battery cell. And for that, Quebec would need a company like Tesla um, to do a gigafactory type project, or a company like Panasonic, LG, SK Innovation. CATL, if they want to come to Canada, like any of those companies, that's that's what really. If you do have an anchor project like that, then all those other uh, supply chain uh, like lithium hydroxide and all that stuff will come will, will will be easier to bring to the market. So it sounds like uh, Quebec is courting Tesla on that front, but we don't have any details on to uh, if it, if it's going to amount to anything. We do know that Tesla is going to get some uh, lithium from Quebec through their deal with uh, Piemont lithium it's complicated but technically it's an it's a company that's uh uh based in north carolina they have a lithium project in north carolina but that lithium project is falling behind schedule so they invested in sayona mining which is actually an australian company but the, they do have a project in uh quebec savitibi region in oc uh, which is actually where my my dad is from, <laughs> a tiny little village of mm. two hundred people in the middle of nowhere. Uh, in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful region. I've been there many times. It's super fun, but it's a low population region. And uh, they so they're gonna get some lithium from that. That's gonna end up in Tesla batteries. Uh, but so far, it sounds like the lithium is gonna travel all the way to. Um, uh, I don't know where actually uh, Piedmont Lithium's refining is gonna be. Probably in North Carolina, I would think. And then to Tesla, most likely Texas, uh, where where uh, right now Tesla is deploying their biggest battery cell production capacity. But yeah, it would be uh, it, w- it would be awesome if they would invest in a. Are they going to have to build other gigafactories or batteries in North America? Uh, now I don't know if Quebec is at the top of their list right now, but it looks like uh, it's like they're throwing their hat in the ring at least. Is that is that the term? Throwing their hat. Yeah. Yep. Throwing their hat. All right, lastly for Tesla this week, the Supercharger Network achieved a giant milestone, 30,000 charger worldwide. Um, we're talking about supercharger stalls here. So uh, the station, it's uh, 3,100 
So Tesla is now averaging uh, almost uh, 10 stalls per station, which is uh, which is good. Of course, there's some of them that are way more than 10 stalls. Now there's Tesla is building 100 stalls station right now, which is massive. But yeah, uh, it's a it's a big new milestone for Tesla. It's it's the biggest global one. Technically, probably the only global fast charging network. That this is the only one that did it everywhere. Normally, it's more localized. But um, yeah, and it's uh, it it's, looks like it's going fast because you have to go back only in May, uh, late May to get uh, them at twenty five thousand, their last milestone. So it's five thousand new supercharger in basically six months, seven months. So good, good on Tesla for that. And uh, of course, they're gonna need to grow fast too. Since now they are onboarding non-Tesla EV on the network, it's going to increase traffic and it's going to increase demand for those uh, supercharger stations. So they're going to have to have a lot more. And coincidentally, they might get some money because uh, if on top of the build back better bill, uh, supposedly being signed on Monday, the infrastructure bill is also expected to be signed. And that's going to unlock $7.5 billion for EV infrastructures in the U.S., but to get access to that funding, you need uh, to be open to all. No, actually, the, the phrasing is not all EVs. You need to be open to more than one automaker. So, the, so Tesla could have just done a deal with a single automaker, and I think they would have uh, they would have it okay under the under the the phrasing of the of the bill. But of course, now they decided to just open it to everyone. Not quite there in the U.S. yet, but uh, I'm sure that once the bill goes through, they're gonna start moving a little bit faster because a lot yep. of people are gonna want access that 7.5 billion. I know that if you're if you're investing in uh, in EV charging infrastructure in the U.S. right now, it was a good week for the little stocks. EVgo went up like 30 percent. Uh, ChargePoint did good too. Wallbox is doing great, so it's a good time to invest in. Uh, invest in. Speaking of a. Uh good time to talk about ev infrastructure let me do a quick read here uh electrify america which also had some big news this week they had uh, uh their 200th california uh charger which is a ton in california and um you know a huge bank in i think uh, san jose uh, we covered um so this episode of the electric podcast is brought to you by electrify america Electrify America now operates the largest coast-to-coast ultra-fast charging network with more than 650 charging stations, and it's growing. It currently has plans underway for around 800 total charging stations with more than 3,500 chargers to be completed by December of this year. That's next month. And it plans to have more than 1,800 ultra-fast charging stations and 10,000 individual chargers installed by the end of 2025. That includes 50 kilowatt to 350 kilowatt chargers near highways, 50 kilowatt to 150 kilowatt chargers in metropolitan areas. The newly launched Electrify America mobile apps now offer contactless payment along with CarPlay and Android Auto integration, and you can save up to 25% on charging with the new Pass Plus subscription plans. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations, find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, EA. Um, yeah, if uh, if you guys have any questions for us, please put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to them in just a few minutes. Uh, please put them in all cap or put question in all cap so we can get to them and not uh, differentiate them between uh, what you guys are talking between each other. Also, if you do like the show, please give us a thumbs up. 
uh, and subscribe to the podcast. That's really appreciated. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to talk about the Rivian because Rivian had a big week this week. Uh, they, um, they went public. They went public. Yeah, the good old ways. Forget about the SPAC mania that hit the uh, EV industry over the last two years. They went with the IPO and they had, let me just say, very successful IPO. The, uh, the, and I think, I think the story people are not, they're not giving the story a credit that it's due here. They're focusing on the value of the company. They're saying it's, it's completely uh, overvalued. They opened at 77 billion valuation. But that's that's what that's what they were uh, the IPO the way it works like the the banks are buying the banks then institutional investors or previous investors are buying the shares in, in this case Rivian was cool though they they did also offer some shares to reservation holders in the U.S. only though uh, so those people are the only one that can buy the IPO at the set price which was seventy eight dollars a share I think seventy yep. yeah seventy eight. Yeah, and they could buy up to uh, I think 175 shares. 175 share. Okay, so it's not a huge amount, but you know, it's nice. Uh, then, then those shares are the owners that own those shares, offer them publicly on the market at whatever price they want. Start with the the controlling banks. I, I don't I don't know which the banks were behind that deal. I don't remember, but you know, it's always the usual suspects: the Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and all those guys. Uh, and uh, they started trading it at like $106 a share. And now it went up over the last few days. I think it closed at uh, $120, $130, something like that. Yeah, I don't think it was ever under $100. Uh, it, it did deep under the listed price, $130 a share it closed today. It did de- dip a little bit, but not that much. Oh, yeah, under 100 So it was mm-hmm. down to 96 it looks like, yeah. the day of day it started. So at that Level it gives the company a valuation of 110 billion dollars, which is more than Ford, which is more than uh, GM, which is more. Which I think it makes them the fifth, fourth or fifth highest value automakers in the world, uh, behind Tesla, uh, Toyota, Volkswagen, and I think that that might be it. Is BMW worth that much? I don't even think BMW is worth that much. Daimler, yeah, no, so. Daimler maybe. Um, Anyway, it's it's wild because it's a company that just started deliveries of their trucks and only a handful. You got like 160 delivered trucks. Yeah, so you're almost a billion dollars per getting truck. Getting close to it. <laughs> Not quite getting close to it though. Um but and it's what everyone is focusing on, but what I would like to note and uh, cuz you got Elon also like jumping in and like, yeah, it's a lot of value for a company that needs to prove that they can ramp up and everything and it can be uh, can make money of those trucks because you know on the 160 truck they're losing a ton of money on each truck right now there's no doubt until they reach volume production which is all fair point and he's like tesla is the only one that didn't go bankrupt doing that and it, and another fair point but when tesla ipo'd how much money did tesla make when they ipo uh let me let me tesla ipo funding how much was that they made 226 million 226 million when they listed public in 2010 with that IPO, Rivian got $12 billion in funding. That's the real story here. So, yes, it's valued extremely high. You don't expect a kind of return on your investment if you're investing right now in Rivian like you did with Tesla at the IPO. It's not there. It, 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 so, if you're just thinking about your own portfolio and everything, like, yeah, it's not as attractive an investment. But if you're thinking about electrification and accelerating the advent of electric vehicles, that's $12 billion that's going towards that. That's the real big story Good. here. 
it's massive uh, and um yeah i mean with 12 billion dollars <laughs> like uh rivian can afford a lot of mistakes obviously i hope that they don't make too many because i want them to reach volume production and sustainability as soon as possible financial sustainability um but they, they can afford to uh to have a production hell uh a big one <laughs> much bigger one than tesla even so so this this is the good news this almost guarantees really that uh rivian's gonna is gonna come out okay of, of this whole thing they won't need to raise any money it's not like they didn't they needed that much anyway they already raised like i think 12 billion dollars before the ipo over the last few years uh but now this 12 billion dollars in one shot uh they can lose a lot of money every quarters until they reach volume production and then become sustainable off of that uh so it's uh, it's it's awesome news it's uh, i was very happy about that this week um and and Ford and Amazon made a ton of money, and we know Amazon needs a lot of money because they're broke. Yeah, so. I mean, good for them. I was very happy about that. It's like seeing seeing someone, some of those YouTube videos where rich YouTubers give money to the poor. Like that's reminding me of that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, the the what they're gonna use this money for really? Uh, it's to their goal. They say is to reach a, a million annual production capacity by 2030 so nine years uh to to achieve that uh, which you know i mean tesla is aiming for 20 million in, in 2030 so it's the different uh different ramp up of course but tesla is at a million right now uh so it's 20x <laughs> it's much more than 20x for for rivian but uh uh, it, it's it's also like bigger vehicles they're aiming for. I, mean, I think they're gonna go down market a little bit with future vehicles, but um, the, the every pickup truck that you displace with the uh, electric version is gonna make a big impact. So that's good too. All right, Subaru finally uh, fully unveiled the Solterra this week, and um, about as exciting as it gets it's uh it's basically the bz uh bz4x uh, from toyota but a uh, different form factor with this subaru logo on it um uh, but not not that different form <laughs> like if you look at it from yeah. the side it looks remarkably similar yeah they, they look very similar that's the, the yeah so the subaru logo is the biggest difference then. <laughs> uh yeah it's uh it's not bad looking though like but I, mean, I, I did like the the bz4 uh, form factor too so i guess uh i have a type the thing is with Subaru that I feel like they're they're in kind of a little bit of world of pain incoming because you know they kind of owned the crossover you know all wheel drive they made really good drive trains for you know gas all wheel drive vehicles but it's not hard to make an all wheel drive electric vehicle like everybody's doing it Volkswagen Tesla obviously um Basically everything except the Bolt EV. I mean, even like Nissan Aria, like you know, obviously the Volkswagen, Audi's got all-wheel drive, Jaguar's got all-wheel drive. Like they're just lots of them. Even like um, Kia and um, uh, you know, with the uh, EV6 and the uh, Hyundai um, uh, Ionic, will have all-wheel drive mm-hmm. options. So. Subaru's not the only game in town anymore. Like, and they're really late to electrification. So I and they I rely on Toyota, <laughs> and like even worse, they rely on Toyota, which is already really far behind. So I don't know. Not, not looking good. 
Yeah, they they have some cool things like the uh, like the BZ. They have the solar roof and, and whatnot. But uh, I mean, you just mentioned the the, the all wheel drive, and they're, they're they're still claiming to have like an advantage in all wheel drive, even which without any mechanical linkage, it doesn't make much sense. Like it's 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 going to be very similar to other companies, but uh, with the same powertrain as the BZ, they, they, you go from 150 uh, front uh, front wheel drive motor to 280 kilowatt. Uh, dual motors so it's it, not very powerful all-wheel drive to start with on, on top of it so uh, i think and i don't think it's going to be a that much of a fun car to drive uh, just based on on power at least i mean you can have great handling and whatnot but power is not not great um 71.4 kilowatt hour battery pack and again just like the bz a few weeks a few weeks ago these are all uh japan spec the japanese version and uh, the unveiling of the U.S. version is apparently coming next week uh, at uh, the Elio Auto Show. The m- we'll, we'll be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll be there. There might be some differences. Like we know that some J- Japanese and even some European automakers have been known to. Uh, well, normally they they have a, a smaller version that they they sell on the market, and they keep the bigger version. They only sell the bigger version in the U.S. In this case, like they're, they they only announced one version of the battery pack, so I don't I don't know if, if it's gonna be different or or whatever. But uh, so far, it's a seventy one point four kilowatt battery pack. Uh, they claim two hundred and eighty five miles on range, four hundred uh, four hundred and sixty kilometers, uh, based on the Japan's version of the WLTC. Should amount to around 250 PA. Might be a little generous on that front. Uh, that's with the 18 inch. You can have 20 inch wheels too with the with the all wheel drive version. That's it for the Solterra. Maybe we're gonna have a little bit more to well, we're gonna have more to say about them next week. We should we should at least see it in person and give you a, at least a first look with better pictures because they didn't release much pictures of it. Um, all right, a quick note on. Um, the, uh, the the conference, the uh, COP26, the the uh, UN climate change conference uh, that just, I think it's ending today, right? Uh, it's ending today, but the final report, I think, is not coming until uh, Sunday. But this week, the, there was the transportation week, and there was some announcement regarding electric vehicles. Uh, and the, the big one was uh, this, this uh, I guess it amounts to a pledge, they call it a, a declaration, that uh, to go all electric, all new cells of zero emission cars and vans globally by 2040. Completely uninspired, boring as hell. Uh, not excited by it at all. And uh, it, w- it was signed by a bunch of nations that so that they wanted to signal at least that this is this is something that's coming. But even some of a lot of those nations have have more aggressive goals themselves. So it's like it's like they agreed all together to a weaker goal. Uh, but some some big markets in there: Canada sign up, uh, Chile, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Ireland, uh, Israel, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway. Which again, Norway is aiming for 2025, and they're probably going to achieve it next year. So uh, it's uh, <laughs> for them. It's like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll sign their pledge. Um, Poland, Sweden. I don't see the U.S. No, in there. the U.S. is not in, in there. They didn't sign as a as a no. as a country, but a bunch of states signed, including California, New York, Washington. They all sign on. So, I mean, those are states that are already have more aggressive timelines than the federal timelines. 
Uh, a bunch of automakers also signed on for GM, Mercedes, Benz, Jaguar, Land Rover, and Volvo. But again, most of those already have goals to achieve that sooner. So it's not really exciting stuff. Uh, was kind of, but the whole the whole conference like, at, at this point, I, I think it's not politics and stuff. That politics can help. You know, like the, the new incentive in the U.S. are going to help. We're going to accelerate it short term, but mid to long term, it's going to be the technology that's going to do a difference. You, you cannot change human behaviors that much creator of creature of habit and whatnot i think that technology and making the solution that are more sustainable just as convenient as the one that are not sustainable and even cheaper if possible that's going to make the difference and i think we're achieving that in electric vehicles at least that's what we're following at electric all right so we jump into the comment section yep all right first one unsurprisingly model y up thousand dollars again why tier emoticon um yeah it's kind of crazy it's at sixty thousand dollars now for the most part that's a that's no longer like a uh you know kind of like a model three you know model three was originally thirty five thousand you know obviously you had to call in and know this know the code but um secret password you know i think yeah i feel like it's gone up a lot more than Ten thousand overall. It feels like it's gone up a lot more. Anyway, that sucks, but inflation. Yeah, I mean inflation, uh supply chain cost increase if you listen to Tesla, but also I think you just they can like they, they just can they have the demand for it. The yeah. demand's there, yeah. All right, that one's a little confusing. The terror of investing in future generations. Not sure what that means. Yeah, me neither. All right. Kimball committed insider trading, says Jonathan Root. Elon's had set up with the banks the stock sale weeks in advance. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know about Kimball, whether Elon told him or not that he's going to say that. My hunch is that probably not, though it is it is a big sell for Kimball. 15% was a big sell, so that's a little bit suspicious, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt unless these... I'm sure they've got lawyers and yeah. financial advisors saying, "Don't do yeah. this, do this." But the so weeks hopefully. in advance for the sales, I don't, I don't think you have to do that. I mean, Elon can probably call the CEO of whatever bank is holding his, his shares and sell them. It's like liquidate, yeah. sell more and more. And I mean, the sales are coming in slow too, and like it's going probably going to be going for weeks. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have ulterior motive other than whatever he said in the tweet that, that we right. discussed that earlier on the show. All right. And he continues, I don't think you'd say Elon was being honest when he said funding secured. So yeah, that's... Here, here's the thing about that one. Uh, <laughs> apparently so. I don't, I don't who said that? It was like this rapper girl that was... Uh, but it, no, but I thought, I thought like the court testimony... It was like he was high and trying to make no, no, I think, a joke I, for his girlfriend or something? Well, I think he was making a weed joke. But I don't think it was high. I don't think in this one he said he was high when he said that. But, but yeah, uh, that, he definitely exaggerated funding secure. But maybe it was, he came out of that Saudi meeting and confident that it would happen. Like they, they were giving him money. I, I don't know. It sounds more like he was really frustrated at that point with the cyclical nature of being a public company and whatnot. That he, he was like, "All right, like we'll take this public, we'll make it happen. I can, I can secure the funding." Uh, and of course, it never happened. Yeah. All right. 
Roll of 20 says, do you think Rivian stock will go crazy like Tesla? I know you're not financial advisors. Uh, I think it's already going a little crazy. Uh, if you consider it's like one of the, you know, considering where Rivian is in their life cycle, um, they're already... They're already worth one, the, one tenth of Tesla. So, it, like, and again, we just talked about if you're if you're a long term investor, I, I think a long term investor, I, I think probably Rivian is a good investment. Again, I'm no financial advisor, as you pointed out, but uh, when 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 we're talking about like you look at you you, you brought up the com- the comparison to Tesla, it's worth one tenth of Tesla right now, and Tesla is aiming for twenty million annual capacity. In 2030, when when Rivian is aiming for one million, so you, you, like I, th- I think there's a lot of value built in. But at the same time, it's worth a hundred billion dollars, and they have like over twelve billion dollars in the bank. So it's uh, not necessarily a bad investment either. I I, I thoroughly, honestly, uh, don't know if it's going to be like a very good investment long term in terms of return. But if you ask me, will it go as crazy as Tesla stock? I think not. All right, and then here we go. How is Lucid going to do? Is it is it too expensive? Uh, I think that's the question. Um, I think Lucid is going to do pretty well on their based on their initial vehicles. They they also had a pretty good stock raise recently, um, and you know, I think uh, their cars are award winning uh, to say the least. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Lucid's approach is very good because, like, yes, their car that are the car that they're delivering right now are, are really expensive, uh, but they have this like 500 plus miles of range, super efficient, all that stuff. It's it, there are good selling points that will make buyers go for it, um, and 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 then as they continue w- with production, they ramp up and they uh, they should go down to the less least uh, expensive version of the Air. Um, I, I think the least expansion of the air is now going to be cheaper than the, the Model S. The Model S is super expensive right now too. Keep that in mind. Um, yep. and they have some decent range on those too. So no, I think I think Lucid is well set up right now. It's uh, uh, it's it's going to be a, a big player. I think it's just like just like Rivian. Uh, maybe financially they're not as well set as Rivian, but other than that, they uh, I think they're going to do good. All right. Are either of you going to buy an Aptera? So that's the uh, mm-hmm. kind of very super aerodynamic solar uh, car. That om- it almost looks like one of those cars they like race across the Australian desert only on solar power. But the, the Aptera has a battery and, and it's a two-seater and you kind of lay down a little bit so that you're not lay down, but you're just kind of reclined a, a little bit. Um, so... I would buy one, but I don't know if they're going to really make them as soon and as obviously as, um, you know, they're saying. They're saying 2022, which is next year. Um, but Scooter was just uh, at the at the facility where they, you know, you know, the headquarters, and it didn't seem like they were, you know, that they had a an assembly line going or. You know anything of that nature, which you kind of need to have a year a year from uh, going. You know, selling actual vehicles. So, uh, 
if Aptera gets their act together and actually makes vehicles, I would love to get one of those. I I think uh, you know riding on sunshine is would be a fantastic idea, and if they could get it even just a little bit more efficient, um, I think they said it's like uh, as efficient as driving a or or a one uh, cubic square block. Like it's it's the same mm-hmm. amount of energy to push that. Uh, through the air as you know one of these huge vehicles it's that mm. efficient so um i love the idea of the efficiency and and the solar and almost being able to ride just you know never plug in um but you know we've seen a bunch of solar startups and and none of them seem to be like very close to like mass production yeah well, i mean we've yeah. been talking a lot about the stock market uh, today but uh sono motors another one that announced that they're going public too and it, we we see them having similar problems out there. Like they have some cool things going on, and it like like Seth said, it's an appealing idea to have to, to go to drive on solar and have super efficient car. But uh, yeah, they don't they don't seem to be close to production either. But I agree with you. I mean, if Aptera can deliver like a thousand mile vehicle, like it's 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 awesome. And even if it's on the expensive side for the utility of it, uh, there's people who's gonna buy that for sure. I don't know if I'm going to be. Yeah, and also them, but... safety is a bit of a concern oh, as yeah. well. I mean, it's not a family car. You know, I wouldn't put your kids in there. No, no, not really. It's like putting your kids on the back of a mm-hmm. motorcycle, which you can do. All right. Uh, will we do a review? Ben Pena asks on the Lucid. We need an honest evaluation. We did the first uh, drive. Scooter did, uh, Sco- Scooter did yeah. the first drive, which he was impressed by, but. Um, uh, we haven't done a full review yet. We weren't on the lucky ones uh, invited to do the, the review. I think only Motor Trend and a few others did a review so far that they posted. Uh, yeah. the, uh, they've been they're going the Tesla route on that front. They, they are being uh, uh, very careful who they choose to give their cars to. Yeah, selective. selective is the word. You're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stefan Schnabluger. I think Tesla will actually deliver a semi to PepsiCo by the end of the year. Any leaks, whispers nope. on this? I, oh, I forgot to talk about it. I have Tesla semi in the headline here. I forgot to talk about it. Yeah, so Stefan here is referring to uh, the CEO of PepsiCo saying this week that uh, they expect to take delivery of their first 15 Tesla semi trucks by the end of the year, which would counter what Tesla said earlier this week, that deliveries to customer would be delayed to 2022. Uh, so the way we interpreted the news, we were like, "All right, is uh, is he misinformed, or is does he know something we don't?" Um, I think he knows something we don't, uh, and uh, mm. we might have some more news on that next week. But I'm hearing things about PepsiCo actually being uh, uh, closely involved with Tesla and the semi program, and uh, we might get some news next week about some new. Product. I don't, I don't know if Tesla's going to call them production Tesla Semi, but some new units. Uh, we talked about earlier this uh, year, if you remember, uh, this summer, Tesla was setting up the production line uh, in Nevada. So I don't know. Maybe you're going to see PepsiCo coming to Nevada next week. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. All right. This is one that we've been working on for a while. <laughs> Any word on a Mica podcast, weekly YouTube? It won't be weekly. It'll probably be bi-weekly or even monthly. Yes, we have all the artwork. We're, we're getting it all set up. It'll happen, hopefully, uh, by the end of the year. So that's the bike podcast. 
uh, we'll we'll have yeah. And I mean, if the response is good, people like that's gonna motivate Micah to do it more. But I believe by himself, Micah is gonna be he's gonna start doing it, and he was gonna be all right. I actually have a lot more to talk about than I thought, and he's gonna do it more often. I, that's my hope. But uh, yeah, I mean, if yeah. you guys can give him a good response to that podcast, that would be awesome. All right, and so far the last one uh, is Giga Berlin going to be able to output any Tesla before the end of the year? Well, hmm. Tesla has been indicating that he could. Uh, there's, but but Getting there's uh, final approval that they need to to officially start production. Uh, they, last time that we reported on it, they had to redo the whole process of uh, public comments on the environmental impact report. So this like. There's no word to say exactly. I think it, I think it's going through in the entirety of November, or at least to like the last few weeks of November, uh, and then I think they have to take those those new comments into account. So like, there's uh, there's no there's no, not saying exactly when this is going to be uh, fixed. I think. Mm. All right. All right. Oh, there's Eli Deschamps and ask uh, oh, Volcan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Yeah. So we're gonna do oh, the yeah? Volcan. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's on the uh, agenda. I don't know when, but it it's definitely cool, happening. Cool, cool. Yeah, the grunt, the yeah, the yeah, grunt, the yeah, huge tire. Yeah, those, those are they look cool. They look cool. Just for off roading, though, it's not. Uh, I wish they would offer like kind of a on road kit that you can have on it and like make it a on road scooter at the same time. It would be cool or motorcycle, whatever you call it. All right. That's it for the uh, show this week. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you did like the show, please give us a thumbs up and a comment in the comment section. I would appreciate that a lot. We read them all. And uh, then uh, if you're listening on your podcast app, uh, please uh, leave us a five star review. That helps the show a lot, and we appreciate it when you do. Uh, and uh, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, have a safe weekend. And we're going to see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>